I would say that brand is only the domain of consumer facing companies. It applies to every company, regardless of what your B2B, B2C, not-for-profit brand is, brand is brand. It's an organizing governing principle that, in, that allows decision makers to make informed decisions faster, better, and cheaper. Okay, that's what brand does for anybody. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Expert. I'm your host, Devin Miller, a serial entrepreneur who's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast, Scott Markman. And uh, Scott, we're going to talk a lot about uh, branding. You know, what is branding? If you were to ask 100 people, 96 or 96 of those people would probably get it wrong. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that and why uh, value and or talk about value and process and brand doesn't really change based on the company size and how to create a, a brand from scratch um, and how to be creative in the in the industry. And also uh, maybe talk a little bit about how branding is more than just uh, or, or more than just pricing your people or stores. It's all of it combined, and and how or what all goes into branding, and 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 go down that route. So and and probably a whole lot more, and uh, it'll be a great discussion. So with that much as introduction, welcome on the podcast, Scott. Thank you, sir. Great to be here. So now before we dive into the, the topics at hand, you know, first of all, you were a, a guest on the Inventive uh, Journey, which is a, the sister podcast of this one. Um, a great episode. Definitely encourage people to go check out Scott's episode there if you haven't had a, a listen to it. Uh, but for those that either haven't had to check out the episode or saying, hey, I'm too busy, I just want to hear the expertise and move on, um, why don't you give the audience kind of a one or two minute kind of overview or introduction to yourself as to why you have um, a bit of experience in this area and, and, uh, and why you know what you're talking about? Sure. So um, I am a corporate uh, graphic designer by training. I have a BFA from Washington U in St. Louis. Graduated, uh, I think, 42 years ago. Um, and so spent the uh, first chunk of my career as somebody else's designer, worked at some great places. And then 1990, kind of hung my shingle here in Chicago as a freelance designer. I built the place, the agency, uh, the firm up to um, become a you know, multi-person design firm. Some... Uh, opportunities present themselves to kind of morph and reinvent in more of a full service ad agency, which we were for about another 10 years, took on some partners and um, they had different backgrounds than I did. And so the intersection of our experience and our skill set uh, between a big agency creative director, myself and corporate design and a market researcher, big corporate experience was brand. And so about 16, 70 years ago, we even pivoted once again to really become a branding agency and a subset of brand, which is more about evolving and repositioning brands versus inventing brands. We do maybe court of our clients need a brand from whole cloth, but most of the work we do are clients that are successful, um, but they're strategic uh, issues, their, their, their needs, their opportunities, their future path requires the you know, counsel and you know, kind of stepping back in what our firm does to say, where could, should you go and why and how to do that over, let's say a 10 year period. And so that's the work we do. Um, we've worked in, I don't know, I'm gonna guess 50, 60 categories. 
um, a mix of B2B, B2C, uh, not-for-profit. Um, again, as you had alluded to, um, the process and the path and the, the objectives don't change regardless of size of company, category, business circumstance, um, how to think yeah. about brand. Yeah, and I was gonna say, let's maybe with that is a great introduction and definitely uh, it was helpful. Let's dive into the topic at hand. Now, before, you know, we'll definitely get into branding. One of the things I thought was interesting is we talked a bit before that you kind of mentioned is, you know, if you were to go and ask basically 100 people on the street or maybe even 100 business owners, what is a brand or, you know, kind of what is, you know, what is, marketing, but particularly with a brand, you know, people with 96 or, per, or uh, percent or 96 out of those 100 people are going to answer that question wrong. So kind of why do you think that they'd answer it wrong? And, and what is the kind of the genesis for people having that confusion or not, they're not fully or grasping that? Sure. So for a lot of people, either business owners or just, I'll just call consumers or just, you know, individuals. A brand may be a logo because it's a symbol, it's the visualization of a brand, it's the lightning rod for what a brand is about, but it's not a brand. Um, it's the face of a brand or the tip of the iceberg. Um, brands are, um, in our view, DNA. It's the everything. It's where does something begin and end and how do facets correlate to each other? The answer is they all do. But you have to take your, your, your hands and think about the totality of things and how brand is agreed upon, thought through, developed, executed, shared, measured, and impactful across the entire enterprise. And again, it doesn't matter what category, doesn't matter how big the company is, the complexity. What I just described applies literally to every company in the world. And frankly, these days to individuals. Let me let me ask one of those because I certainly get and agree with you that it's a holistic approach. And yet, if I was a somebody that's doing a startup or a small business, you know, that sounds a bit overwhelming. You know, typically say, okay, how do I establish a brand? I'll go get a logo. I will, you know, maybe get a catchphrase. I'll get a website, and there's my brand, right, or something along those lines. And yet, to take that holistic approach is definitely worthwhile and makes sense. And yet on the other hand, you're going to say, man, this is overwhelming. This is so much that I have to think about when I want to establish your brand. And so if you're saying you're putting yourself kind of in that startup small business mode where they don't either have a brand or just getting started with a brand or they're saying we really should have had a brand a long time ago, but we've never really gone through that exercise. How do you kind of even approach building a brand for your business if it is really more of that holistic approach as opposed to, um, you know, a logo and a, and a website type of a thing. Sure. So let's think about the industry or category that any company plays in. The two easiest examples that I can give that I think will frame what we believe and how we approach this, there are actually two brands we all know, one of which is Starbucks, the other which is Jimmy John's Subs. So you may think of Starbucks as a brand about coffee, and that's not entirely wrong, but it's really not the origin of the company. Howard Schultz, who invented Starbucks, um, was a coffee um, machine, he was an espresso machine salesman, and his company was in Milan, Italy, and he used to go to Italy once or twice a year for business meetings, whatever, and he observed in Milan that there was something called the coffee bar, and it was the integral to the fabric of society, and so what he observed is people would leave their house, they would go to the coffee bar, 
in the morning, they'd read the newspaper, they would finish their espresso, they'd get on the train, they'd go to work, come back and just reverse the same thing. They would stop at the coffee bar, have the evening paper, they were you know, probably sixth espresso, and then they would finish the newspaper, they'd go home. And so he gave a name to it. The name was the third place. So actually the idea, what I described as the DNA, the everything of Starbucks is the third place. It's not coffee. In a weird way, coffee is the enabler. It's the means by which he delivers the idea of a third place, which is after work and after, after home and after work, a place that is a central to one's life, to the fabric of how you lead your life. And that's how and why he built Starbucks when he had five stores or three stores or two stores. That was the vision that he was trying to bring to life. And he used extreme... Um, premium coffee as the means to that end, because that's what he knew, because he, who he worked for. But every decision that has ever been made around building the Starbucks brand and the enterprise and their stores and their products and their pricing and all that stuff is enabling the idea of the third place. So today, across the world, for a lot of us, Starbucks does fit that role in our lives. It's where you hang out. It's that morning routine. It's the where, where you read a book, or where you do work. It's just, it, it fits the central role in your life. For Jimmy, Jimmy Johns. Oh, go ahead. No, yeah, finish your example, go ahead. Along the same lines, um, Jimmy John's in a highly competitive category, Subway, and Quiznos, and Potbelly. Jimmy John's is about one thing. It's not about food. It's about speed. Everything that they say is get in, get out, consistency. They never, ever, ever in the marketing talk about food. They don't talk about the pricing. They don't talk about the freshness of the ingredients. They don't talk about how healthy it is for you. It's one thing, get in, get out. You know what you're getting from us and we'll have fun with it. End of conversation. That is the brand. I've been buying from Jimmy John's for, I don't know, 10 years and I get one thing. It has literally never changed. But I know when I walk in, I'm getting and getting out in 90 seconds. Oh, and so let, let me ask something because both of those, you know, maybe Jimmy John's not quite so much, but I, you know, a li little bit more familiar with the Starbucks example and, you know, kind of what they've done. And, you know, that was a long journey in the sense that now, you know, they offer a lot of times, and at least they did, you know, scholarships and they help with schooling. They do a lot of community outreach. They're making that third place. They, one point they had a different CEO took off or took over and, and tried to introduce a lot of breakfast foods, a backfire, and they had to remove that. And so it seems like, you know, the brand has evolved over a period of time and maybe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it wasn't necessarily all thought out or perfectly set in stone. And so, you know, is, is a brand something that's evolving or changing or should you figure that all out at the beginning or kind of how do you even go about figuring all that out? Because what you described, you know, as a Starbucks example, there's a lot in there to unpack as far as how they developed that brand and made it that third place. And so kind of if, if you were to put yourself into somebody that's starting to establish a brand, how do you even go about figuring that all out? Okay, so easy example. Um, every company, again, whether they have one store or one location or this big or that big, you only have the assets of you know, time and people and product and service and whatever to kind of work with. And, and Schultz made a huge decision early on when he just was really getting Starbucks off the ground. Instead of advertising, he put his money into people. And what he did was he gave them health insurance for part-time workers and he invested in training. So he got a better cut of person 
they were better trained to deliver upon the experience and therefore the idea of the brand the third place through the baristas. The baristas were the linchpin to that along with the design and I'll call it the finish of the stores and the, the visual experience, the lighting experience, the ambient experience of those stores along with those baristas who delivered upon the promise of you walk up to the front of that line, you get 10,000 choices. And at the end of that line, you get your choice in let's say a minute or a minute and a half. And 99% of the time it's flawless. That is the idea of the third place and the expectation. So he invested in people. Now that has really not changed. He gets a better cut of person than McDonald's does or Jimmy John's and they're better trained. They're just better, they're just a different cut of human being to deliver what is a fast food service experience. Now, in addition, I do wanna say, cause you bring up an excellent point. Brands are organic. They're not static, they're not stiff, they're not set in stone, they're not set in concrete. They evolve over time. But the true north of the brand, what that company is about, the third place has not changed. Now all the details and the componentry have changed because they need to, because this company has existed for 35 years. When they, when they uh, were started, you know what didn't exist? The internet, email didn't exist when they started the company. Um, think about the role of the app today and ordering ahead and you get your drink and you leave. Terrific. That was a massive investment in technology to deliver upon the third place idea, but responding to the opportunities and the competitive environment and what customers wanted. This all has to map to who's buying, what do they want and what are the other guys doing? Still staying true to your brand, but you have to take all this into account. Brands evolve and they're organic without denying kind of their, their path. Now, no, and I think that's definitely uh, insightful. Now I'm gonna ask kind of a, a follow-up question to that, which is, so now let's say you said, okay, let's say today you were starting your business, you had the best idea and all, you know, you were gonna make a whatever, choose whatever idea you were gonna do when you had the new idea, innovative breakthrough, different startup, but you're gonna to start today. You said, okay, today's the day I'm quitting my full-time job. I'm gonna to start today and I'm gonna make something of this. If you're, one of the first steps would be is to establish or, or get a plan for that brand identity. What would be the steps or kind of how would you go about tackling that? Because I think that that sometimes is difficult to grasp, especially if you haven't been through it as to how you even go about tackling that. So what would be kind of those steps that you would start to walk through? Sure. So uh, we're big, big sort of fans of the uh, author and lecturer, Simon Sinek, who's, who made his career around a simple thought. People buy why you do something, not what you do and how you do it. Mm -hmm. And I think that as a 32 plus year entrepreneur, I would say to anybody who's looking to establish a business in any category, you have to ask yourself, why are you doing this? What do you think is the market opportunity, the gap, that needs to be filled that any buyer or consumer can't get right now that you have something unique to bring to market. In addition, you have to understand why do you want to be an entrepreneur? Because if you hated where you last worked and your boss was a jerk and blah, 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 maybe that's a part of it. But if you don't understand the, uh, the life of the entrepreneur and it being kind of mission driven, I don't mean altruistic, I don't mean not for profit, orientation, but mission driven that why are you doing this or you and your colleagues doing this? Because you believe in what you can create and sell 
and its value to those that are buying it or are the channel to deliver it. If you don't believe in that, you are dead on arrival. If there isn't a reason, a cause-based reason around these decisions, I would say to any entrepreneur, don't bother. Suppose that you do, then that's the starting point. So if I maybe summarize that just as an understandable for me, one is, you know, figure out why, what your own motivation is, why you're doing it and why you're not, you're leaving your job to go do the startup. But then two is identify for your in, great idea, your new invention, your new product, your new business, what it is, what it, what or need it serves or what gap it fills in the marketplace. Absolutely. You know, again, let's go back to Jimmy John's model. When Jimmy, Jimmy John, the guy started the company, there were a lot of, you know, Subway existed. There were lots of, you know, lunchtime places. He had an idea. If I could build a process to build a sandwich and get people in, get people out faster, would that be a differentiator to the point that they would start to come to my store? He's from Champaign, Illinois. And the answer was yes. And he reverse engineered an entire process to, um, to deliver upon the promise and then value. And the food is good enough and the process is consistent enough to deliver upon that now times thousands of stores. So it started with a simple idea. Sometimes it doesn't have to be complicated. You just have to identify a gap and that there's value that uh, the purchaser cannot get right now. And I think, or we think we can build and deliver upon that. It's not more complicated than that. So now, so let's say I identify a gap. So I'll give Miller IP law just as an example, because it's an easy one that I'm familiar with. So Miller IP law, one, I left law, big law firms because I, I didn't like, I didn't want to be told what to do. I wanted to be able to do things the way that I thought made sense. And I think the law or the legal industry doesn't always do the things that make sense. I also wanted to focus on startups and small businesses, which are dramatically underserved within the intellectual property. So that was my motivation for leaving. And then my gap was, okay, very few firms focus on helping startups and small businesses. They don't set their pricing right. They don't make it transparent. They don't have enough material. They don't help them to answer questions and on and on. So there's my gap. So let's say I identify those two things to start out with. What's my next step? Well, you need to kind of build the machine. If you have a service and or a product, you need to build the the machine, the process, the componentry, the people, the raw material, the delivery mechanism, how you're gonna build and deliver in effect what you're gonna be selling. Uh, regardless, so again, whether it's product service, all of those things, you still have to have a, a means to deliver the end uh, on some level. And then there's the, how do you take it to market? You know, who are the people? What are the channels? What's the, what's the storefront? again, I'm saying metaphorically, through which you will offer up your services. And then how will you let prospective buyers know about it, both through an outbound marketing effort and an inbound marketing effort, search. These are the kind of ways that, uh, how are you going to go to market and attract prospects? And then once you start to get a flow of, of uh, revenue and contracts and deliver, you know, and orders, how can you make sure that you're delivering upon the basic promise and you're not sort of lowering your standards or straying off the reservation and ruthlessly executing as best you can because the best way to kill any brand is to sell or market X and not be able to deliver upon it. It's the fastest way to kill a brand. Whatever you claim, like 
have your ambitions be more modest, but crush it as opposed to have broad ambitions, but have uneven delivery. It's the, it's, it's the kiss of death. So no, so, and I think that that definitely makes sense. And so you're saying, okay, so let's say I, I figure out, I said, okay, way I'm going to approach, you know, going to market right or wrong. And I think it's always, sometimes you learn and you figure out, this is how I think I'm going to approach or hit or, or find my customers or clients. And now I've established who they are. I'm going to figure out how I'm going to find them. So let's say I say LinkedIn, great place for startups and small businesses. Maybe I will do some SEO. I'll build a website that will be targeted to these type of clients. I will do maybe a little bit of Facebook, either, you know, organic or do some, maybe some advertising on Facebook or Google AdWords. In other words, I almost go through the same thing that a lot of companies do because they all send to say, well, where do I go? I could do or paid advertising. Maybe I'll do a website. Maybe I'll do, you know, online and maybe I'll do some webinars or presentations or go to trade shows. But, you know, so it seems like, you know, while in theory, people always find out how to do that, it, it becomes a lot more difficult. So any tips or kind of as you're defining your go-to market and that, how you can not just fall into that trap of doing the exact same thing that, you know, yes, I have my customers, but at the end of the day, it seems like it's the exact same approach that everybody's taken. Sure, there's two facets I would, I would comment and expand upon. The first of which is that every brand has multiple audiences, both internal and external and intermediary. Mm -hmm. And you need to be thinking about multiple audiences and their self-interest what is the brand going to do for me? Why should I care? How is it different and better? Take those questions and multiply it across multiple audiences. And all of a sudden there's a level of complexity that every brand has to accommodate and to manage through. You know, employees have a different value proposition they're looking for from customers. Within customers, different sets of, you know, kinds of clusters of customers. Your suppliers, your channel partners, if you have a distribution the network, let's say, um, they all have a self-interest in doing business with a brand that is personally based, even if it's a business buyer, which can be much more considered purchase, longer lead times, more intellectual fact-based buying versus a, an individual when you're buying, I make this up, a Subway sandwich or a cup of coffee, it's much more of an impulse purchase or a quick purchase and it's all, you know, the individual one cares about what they care about, not what their colleagues care about. Well, when someone goes to Starbucks, what is the emotional need that they are filling by choosing Starbucks over Dunkin' or over the indie coffee shop down the street? They all sell coffee, but the experience and the rationale as to why you go A, B, or C is wildly different even though they're on the surface selling the same product. You go into Starbucks, it's about, this is a statement of self. I'm a Starbucks consumer and I'm smart and I'm kind of hip and I'm kind of urbane and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I can get 10,000 drinks and I can cherry pick all the ingredients I want to arrive at the exact product that I dream of. And I'll pay through the nose for it. It could be five bucks, I don't care. You can't buy coffee at Dunkin' for five bucks. And they have about four choices, but they're about something else. They're a little bit more blue collar They're getting get out. They're a little bit about the basics. And there's an appeal to that. There's no right or wrong to this. It's just different. The indie coffee shop, I know Harry and Sally who own the shop, they're my neighbors, they know what I want, and I'm 
happy to support the local entrepreneur and I feel good about that. And so I choose to spend three bucks with them versus going to Starbucks down the street. All of these are about emotional drivers. What is the end purchaser looking to fulfill in their heart? These are heart decisions. Buying is heart-based, not head-based. You justify up here, you buy down here. And that, that is for every brand on the planet. So now let me kind of follow up with one of the kind of a question of, on that. So you say, okay, you know, figured all that out, you know, maybe I am that, you know, take the Starbucks model and I have great employees. I focus on, you know, making a good customer experience. It's the third place, you know, the, the place where I stop and I put all of my time and effort on the brand or, you know, the branding of really just building that full culture, making it something, you know, that it stands out that has all of those features or those aspects or that, that we just talked about. Now, the question is, is, how do you actually get the word out to that? In other words, if I had a, let's say I replicated the Starbucks model and I did it in the legal, or legal industry, just again, to follow an example, and I made it a great experience. We had a really good customer service. We were very responsive. We made it so you could understand the pricing on and on. And I really fixed all those problems. It only seems like I'm halfway there. In other words, if I have all of that, there, you know, I have all of those in place and yet nobody knows about it. It doesn't really help me that I have all that in place. And so how do you message that or actually get the word out so that you, if you are Starbucks or you are, you know, whoever, that you're now people know about it as opposed to, hey, we've got all the internals and the structure built, but nobody knows about us. So we're still still failing. Look, on some level, it, it comes down to resources, right? Time, money, and people. Um, and every company, when they are at the starting gate, has from very little time money people to maybe a lot if they're venture backed or something. I'm just saying that no two are the same way. If you're the indie coffee shop, you may be standing on the street giving away samples of your coffee and your pastries to start a flow of the neighbors understanding, hey, I'm Sally and Harry and I just opened an indie coffee shop you know, down the street and why don't you just try our stuff and if you like it, stop in, we'll give you a discount. Um, tell your neighbors. There's there's promotional ways to start to fan the flames of word of mouth and a little bit of impulse buying neighborhood stop by kind of stuff. That's one example where it's just a husband and wife and you know they have a storefront and their means of time, money, and people are limited, right? Um, maybe you know making sure the simple stuff, the easy stuff, you register with Google Maps and Google neighborhood kind of stuff. So that if somebody's like, you know, coffee near me, bam, you show up on the map. That's low hanging fruit. That's really a technical, technological, you know, free thing to do. But look, if you have a budget to put some spend against Facebook ads or other, you know, digital channels, or you can run, you know, a billboard here and there, then you have to think about the delivery mechanisms that are appropriate for the market position I want to claim. You know, are you going to try and be the premium player? Are you going to buy, you try and be the dash in, dash, dash out, low cost provider, whatever you're doing? You have to think about where can and should I show up to match to the image I'm trying to create because there are lots of choices that are related to budget, but not exclusively about budget. So how you go to market is as important as what you market to understand about you. 
I think that's a, that definitely makes a perfect sense. And this is an area where I could uh, go on forever. I think it's a fun point of discussion, at least for those that are kind of business nerds and so to speak. And so we could, we could certainly have a much longer discussion yet. Unfortunately, we're reaching towards the end of the, the episode and then we'll definitely have to have you on again sometime and uh, have a follow-up discussion and, and learn even more about your business and you guys' approach. And that would be another fun conversation um, for another day. But as we, as we start to wrap towards the, uh, the end of the episode, um, I always have one question I'd like to, to ask at the end of each episode, which is, you know, if you're, you know, every industry has different myths, you know, in the legal industry, there are plenty of myths out there in the patent industry, there are plenty of myths out there. And every industry kind of has a myth. So things that have been perpetuated on the internet, or word of mouth, or just somehow came to being, and it's not correct, and it's a myth, and it's wrong, and yet people continue to persist to believe in it. So within the your industry, within branding and marketing and, and doing those things, what is one of the biggest myths and why is it wrong? Um, I would say that brand is only the domain of consumer facing companies. It applies to every company, regardless of what your B2B, B2C, not for profit brand is brand is brand. It's an organizing governing principle that, in, that allows decision makers to make informed decisions faster, better, cheaper. Okay, that's what brand does for anybody. The second thing is what is the value of a brand? I would say, unlike how a lot of people would answer that question, it would be two things. Number one, raise your prices and don't lose business. And number two, answering the question, what else can I sell you? Because if you have it, you know, Starbucks established a brand in coffee, and today they sell you pastries and sandwiches and yogurt and nuts and all the and coffee mugs and all this other stuff that is related to their brand, but it's not coffee, as you may think it is. So again, every brand has a strong brand. Those are opportunities. If I can take the same product to sell to you, Devin, for a buck fifty, and I start selling it for two. And I don't lose business. That means my profit margin goes through the roof, number one. And then number two, if what I sell for you a buck fifty, I have five more things I can sell you for another buck fifty. All of a sudden, the ticket goes from one fifty to seven dollars with one transaction. I'm just growing my sales and making a ton more money under one brand. No, I think that the, those are, that's definitely some great dispelling of, of some myths that are out there and, and what brand really is. And so with that, as we now wrap towards the end of the podcast, if people are interested that say, hey, I love your philosophy and brand, I think it's spot on and we'd love to hire you. So they want to be a customer or a client. They want to be an employee. Say, hey, I'd love to work for you. They want to be an investor in your business if you take on investors and or they want to be your next best friend. What's the best way to reach out to you, contact you or find out more? Sure. Um, our agency website is monogram group, M-O-N-O-G-R-A-M-G-R-O-U-P.com. Um, anything you would want to know about our agency, case studies, the people, the service lines, all of it is all there. My contact information these days, uh, the agency line is my cell number. We, cell number, we got, got rid of a, a landline a couple of years ago, but my, you know, get a hold of me or ask Mark by monogramgroup.com. My email is right there. So right at the bottom of the homepage, um, or there's a form to fill out that you can uh, get those as well. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to check that out. I definitely visit and, uh, and uh, make connections and then you, or you leverage a, a great uh, ability or a great resource to build your brand. And so, 
thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you can uh, make sure to click share, subscribe, leave us a review, because we want to make sure that everyone finds out about all these great expertise to make sure that or to help people to build and establish their startups and small businesses. And with that, if you ever need help with your patents, your trademarks, or anything else with your startup or your small business, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Well, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun and a pleasure, Scott, and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you, Devin. Really appreciate it.